Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Steve Kenyon Podcast. I am Steve Kenyon, episode number 10 on this final week of the month of September, the final weekend to qualify for the Wrangler National Finals. Rodeo is in front of us. And, of course, the big event in professional rodeo this week, the annual Governor's Cup, or the first annual, I should say, first of many Governor's Cup rodeo that will take place in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, the championship event of the PRCA's Pro Rodeo Tour. We'll talk more about that coming up in just a couple of moments. We'll talk about the rodeo contestants that are not quite in the top 15. Most of the Cowboys and Cowgirls competing in Sioux Falls this weekend, they're in the top 15 and know they're headed on to the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, but there is a select group of a few that are outside that bubble and trying to win their way into the NFR. You'll hear from a couple of those uh, Cowboys, one bareback rider, one saddle bronc rider coming up. So today we are highlighting Sioux Falls, but the bulk of our show today is going to be about the National Rain Cow Horse Association, the annual snaffle bit futurity, is about to get underway October 6th through the 21st. This is a major event in the NRCHA. Started in 1970 with 27 horses. There will be several hundred on hand at the Will Rogers Complex in Fort Worth starting October the 6th. We'll get to that with million-dollar, three-million-dollar rider Corey Cushing coming up in a few minutes from now. Before we do all of that, if I may, I'd like to take a moment and share some news about a brand new show that we're about to kick off. It's called Legends of the Hall. It's a podcast all about the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame and the Museum of the American Cowboy in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We'll launch the show the week of October the 9th. Our first guest is a legend, Red Stegall. Red has been selected as this year's honoree at the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame's Gold Buckle Gala, Monday, December the 4th in Las Vegas. I remember one time I was introducing Clark McIntyre at the Cowboy Hall of Fame in Oklahoma City, and he was introduced as a legend, and he said, well, I'm honored to be a legend, but I'd rather be Rookie of the Year. (laughs) I've thought about that an awful lot, but I am deeply honored uh, that they would award that to me because when I look at that list of people, who they've honored in the past. They're the people who created rodeo as we know it today, who have kept it alive for generations and made it America's great sport. And to have my name attached to that is quite humbling. That's Red Stegall, our first guest on the new podcast, Legends of the Hall, which will drop its very first episode on October the 9th. Can't wait for you to hear it. What a great visit we had uh, at the American Paint Horse Association, actually, and Fort Worth, Texas, thanks to the APHA for letting us spend some time in their beautiful facility. Uh, Looking forward to sharing more with you from Red Steagall the week of October 9th, the brand new podcast, Legends of the Hall will debut today's program is being sponsored by wrangler long live cowboys by the justin boot company the standard of the west since 1879 and by the grand view at las vegas are you looking for a place to stay during the wrangler national finals rodeo think about the grand view you can get all the details at dailymanagementresorts.com well one of the most interesting stories in sioux falls this weekend is in the saddle bronc riding at the governor's cup rodeo Q Taylor, he's a native Canadian from Casper, Wyoming, is qualified. He's number 16 in the world standings, roughly $3,000 out of the top 15. I had a chance to talk to Q Taylor. Tell me what you think this rodeo is going to be like in Sioux Falls, South Dakota this weekend, because it's I think it's going to be a little different than anything we've seen in pro rodeo so far. Oh, yeah, I think this rodeo, it's with it being this late in your very last weekend of the season and this much money up, it's going to have a big effect on who's going to go to the finals and 
uh, yeah, it's just I think it's really good for rodeo to be able to have these huge rodeos all throughout the year. Like it's a uh, shoot. I think it has close to the same money as Houston, and yeah, I think it's just really cool that um, we're getting to do this this late in the year. Yeah, and the thing about it to me is you've only got to beat 11 other guys, 11 other really talented guys, admittedly, um, but yep. you've only got to beat 11 other guys. Um, and it's not always like that, especially at rodeos where this much money's on the line. Yeah, no kidding. Like every, Well, especially in the bronc riding, it seems like you uh, – like, I don't know how many bronc matches we went to this year where you could have been 86, 86 and a half, and you didn't even make the short round. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm, it's still going to take a lot of really good rides, and you you can't screw up out here because the best guys in the world are out here too. But like you said, you only got to beat eleven of them. So yeah, I like um, them odds. Yeah, I looked at ProRadio.com. You're only about three thousand out of the top fifteen. Um, Isaac Diaz is fifteenth. You're sixteenth. Isaac's not in Sioux Falls. You are. Um, I think there's a lot to to point to that's positive to you i guess my question to you is are you watching those numbers are you paying attention do you care are you superstitious how are you have do, what do you look at all the the facts and figures and stats on it uh i do a little bit like just kind of have an idea where i'm at but uh and i'm not superstitious at all because uh, when it comes down to it doesn't matter how much money you got to win or whatever you you still got to do the basics of bronc riding and focus on that. And if you do that correct, then the money will take care of itself. Yeah. Uh, you guys are I, – I have not seen the list of horses that are there. I know you probably have. You know what you're getting on in the first round. I want to ask you about the horses in general, but let me do that after I ask you this question. Tell me about the first horse you're getting on on Thursday. I have uh, a horse of – Powder River Rodeo is called Mr. Chestnut's Legacy, and wow, uh, yeah, it's a it's a good horse. Zeke Thurston was eighty-eight on it at uh, the Chase Hawks last year, and um, seen a couple videos of it, and seen it when it was really young in Thermopolis. One of my buddies got on it there, and yeah, it looks like a good horse to get things rolling there. Yeah, you may have heard me say, "Wow!" I announced a bunch of rodeos for Powder River. I love that horse. Um, I think you got a real chance to be a big scorer on that horse. Yeah, I think so too. I'm, I was real happy with my draw there. Um, so what what's there? Um, I, I think your director had a lot to do with putting the pen of horses together. I don't know if you guys had a chance to have any impact on that, but um, the horsepower that's there ought to be as good as the Bronc Riders are. The horsepower ought to be exceptional. Yeah, I've heard... I don't know exactly what's all going to be there. I've heard that there's going to be some harder ones there and kind of kind of some semi-eliminators, and then there'll be some stuff in there that uh, we're wanting to get an extra look, like another look at before we decide whether they go to the NFR or not. So it's, they're all going to be good horses, and I think uh, everybody's going to have a pretty good chance with whatever they have there. But I'm, I'm not. I don't really know exactly what's going to be in there, but yeah, they, they're going to be good and you just got to go make a good ride on whatever you get on. Let me ask you before I let you go, Q, about um, you have two opportunities, in my opinion, in front of you this weekend. Number one, 
to get into the top 15 along with Ryder Sanford and create what should be a really interesting race at the NFR between two extremely talented young bronc riders for the Resist All Rookie of the Year Award. Um, you have either been number one or number two in the rookie race all year. How important is that to you? Uh, that The rookie race has been, yeah, I have. I've kind of been watching it a little bit throughout the year, and I thought it was really cool that Ryder and I were going back and forth on who was winning it throughout the year, and one week I would be, and next week he would be. We both uh, made some really good brown credits on some great horses to and beat some really good guys, so it's. I thought it was cool that uh, two of us stepped up this year and yeah. were able to do so good, and yeah, the the rookie race, it, like, I, I think it'd be the coolest thing ever if it come down to the last round of the finals to decide on who won that. So that's kind of the goal is get to the finals and then see who wins that. Tell me the Q Taylor story. You're Canadian. You came to the United States, went to college in Casper, Wyoming. Um, you're done with school now. But kind of give me the, the quickie summation of how you turned into such a good saddle park rider. Um, well, ever since I can remember, or my grandpa says ever since I was able to start talking, I was saying I was going to be a bronc rider, and everything I kind of did through even, like, when I was walking, I was watching the Calgary Stampede in the living room in the summertime, riding something around, and I would go outside, and I had an old pony that was out there, and he was foundered and crippled up and pretty harmless, but I'd go out there and try and spur him around, and um, then I started uh, breakaway roping. My dad was a calf roper and a bulldogger, and uh, I roped a lot and was uh, successful through the high school rodeo and junior high school rodeo ranks in the calf roping. And I did everything through high school rodeo and junior high rodeo mm-hmm. uh, and went to the national high school finals quite a few times. And then uh, my grade year I decided to begin with high school rodeo and I just went amateur rodeo up there in Canada because we've got a bunch of good associations up there where uh, you can go and win 50000 in a year and uh, Kay Thompson and I traveled together along with another buddy from up there, Hayden Cole huh. and we uh, we uh, amateur rodeoed real hard, probably went to uh, probably 85 to 90 rodeos that year and made three different amateur finals that year and then uh then we had the covid year and i went to there's not much rodeos going on so i went to saskatchewan and worked on a community pasture out there just cowboying out there and then that fall i come down to school in casper and you know i just kind of kept things moving right along there with help of sandy bob and john forbes and jet johnson there and it was, uh, yeah, I ended up staying down here for that next summer in Mountain State Circuit Rodeo on my permit. And then uh, I guess I was down here for two summers. And, uh, yeah, never really went home much. Just stayed down here and worked at uh, getting a name built up down here. And then yeah. bought my bought my rookie card uh, last fall, I guess, the 1st of October went to a few rodeos in the fall and uh christmas time to alberta and then was yeah been pretty much just rodeoing since then um 
Let me ask you a final question, and that is, um, you, I guess you're 21 years old. You need to talk to the, some of the older guys to, you know, understand what a big deal this is. To me, it's a big deal. You've won $116,000 this year. Um, you're currently 16th in the world standings. It wasn't that many years ago, Q. You got 116 grand one at this time of year. Um, you've not just got your room booked for the NFR, but you're in the top five. Um, that's yeah. how much money has grown for, for, for rodeo contestants. Yeah, no kidding. It's it's crazy. Like it's probably going to take 120 to 125 just to make the finals this year, and that's I think that says a lot for uh, the PRC and the committees putting on these rodeos, getting getting more added money out there, and you know I can make a really good living riding Bronx now. It's outstanding. Yeah, for sure. Kira, I appreciate your time. Um, travel safe and good luck in Sioux Falls this weekend. Thank you. Thanks for having me. At Saddle Bronc rider Q Taylor trying to get into his first Wrangler National Finals rodeo, 21 years old, and 16th right now in the PRCA's World Standings. Later on, we'll talk to the number 16-ranked bareback rider Jacob Lees about the rodeo that's about to begin in Sioux Falls, the Governor's Cup, the championship event of the PRCA's Pro Rodeo Playoff Series. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll talk about the National Ring Cow Horse Association. We want to cover all of the world of Western sports on the Steve Kenyon Podcast. And we'll be right back. G'day. My name's Guy McLean, Australian horseman, international entertainer, and big believer in preferred equine equipment. They consider the safety of you and your horse in every piece of equipment they build. Whether it's fencing, round pens, feeders, or stalls, preferred offers quality equipment you can rely on. For more information on all of the great Prefit Equine products, visit them on the web at prefit.com. There's no pretending to being a cowboy. Either you are or you aren't. Which is why everything we do as a company improves or preserves this way of life. The romance, the honesty, the toughness, the craft. More cowboys, please. America could use them. Resist all. We live it every day. Thank you to the professional bull riders I spent last weekend in Fairfax, Virginia at a PBR Challenger Series event. I will be at Riodosa Downs, New Mexico this weekend, a Saturday night PBR Challenger Series event. If any of you have happened to be in that part of the country, you might want to come by and say hi. We should have a great Saturday night of bull riding in Riodosa Downs, New Mexico. Welcome back to the Steve Kenyon Podcast. The National Ring Cow Horse Association is getting ready for one of its biggest events of the year. Beginning October the 6th in Fort Worth, Texas at the Will Rogers Complex, the annual snaffle bit futurity. It runs through October the 21st. That final Saturday night will be sold out with a big, loud crowd and some of the most athletic and talented horses in the world. Corey Cushing is a champion of the snaffle bit. He's a $3 million trainer, and he joins us to talk about it on the Steve Kenyon Podcast. Corey, welcome. It's nice to have you. Hey, thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for your time. So I want to I want to start this this way. 
Um, I When I say thank you, I really mean thank you because right now, Corey's got a dozen horses he's trying to get ready to go to this show, um, trying to get all of his tack ready, all of his jeans starched, all of his shirts pressed, and taking time out to do an interview with me as well. So I cannot imagine a few days before this thing starts, Corey, how, how many different um, items on your to-do list you got to get scratched off. Well, yes, sir. Yes, sir. There's a lot of uh, time and preparation for it. And then on top of all of it, uh, making sure the family's all uh, taken care of and kids still got to go to school and life still got to go on, even though the snaffle bit's here and it's going to consume most of it. You won this event in 2012. Have you just won it the one time or did I miss a win or two? No, sir. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to win it three times, okay. uh, 12, 14, and 18. Uh, so uh, it's something real exciting, and uh, and I look forward to it every single year. I was thinking there was more than one in there. Um, I'm reading from the NRCHA's website. Um, a dual accomplishment at the 2012 Snaffle Bit Futurity was even more of a milestone as Corey Cushing, then 32, became the youngest ever NRCHA million-dollar honoree and the Snaffle Bit Futurity champion, a lifetime dream. What a thrill for a guy in your business. Oh, man, I'm telling you what, it was uh, it was exciting. I mean, I can think back, um, you know, to that year, that moment, uh, you know, something like that that you'll never forget. I mean, it's a dream come true for any cowboy, depending on what your goals are and what you're after in life. And, uh, you know, didn't, uh, didn't, didn't know it until the last horse went. My wife told me, and... Uh, yeah, it's something I'll hold on to forever. So this might be Steve's dumb question of the interview, but how much of a uh, of resume enhancer was that for a young horse trainer at that moment in your career? Well, I mean, it just it just made me a believer in myself. I mean, Steve, you've been around the cow horse. You've seen it quite a bit. You've followed it. You know, I mean, this ain't no easy job. And, um, you know, it takes a lot of time and effort and practice. And, you know, and, and then on top of all that, everything's got to go right. I mean, you've got to have the right day, right couple of days, um, you know, or, or, I mean, let's start from the very beginning, uh, two and a half weeks, everything's got to go right. You know, I mean, we talked earlier, I've got six fraternity horses going and uh, I've got hopes for all of them being uh, fraternity finalists. There's going to be some ups and downs. Um, I'm going to stay on the positive side and say that that's all going to be ups, but hey, that's just the nature of the beast. If something doesn't go right here, that doesn't mean the life's over for these good horses that I'm taking. Um, when this event started in 1970, I think there were 27 horses entered. Corey, do you know how many will be there this year? As a whole, sir, I don't know the exact number. I do know that there's uh, almost three, uh, over 300 in the fraternity itself. Wow. That's just in the fraternity. You know, that's not counting all the horse show classes and then, uh, you know, the, non, the, the non-pros too. Uh, you know, that's growing every year. Our membership's growing. I mean, everyone wants to be part of it. They all take respect to these horses and, and what we ask them to do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it's incredible when it all does come together. Um, you know, you think about the growth of this thing through the years, and you think about the growth of the money. You crossed the million-dollar mark in 2012, the $2 million mark in 2018, and now here you are over $3 million in 2023. Um, and part of that is because you're really good at what you do, obviously. The other part is there's more and more money available all the time, right? Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh... – whether you want to call it people, businesses that are involved, uh, breeder sponsors, you know, and, and that all, and that all helps out, you know, and, um, 
you know, us as a board, we, uh, we work hard every year and, and try to, you know, as much as this has been growing, we try to take that maybe extra money or, you know, where we can and put it back into the pot to where it, you know, it, it, it only helps us, you know, grow and, and do better to where, you know, say you do have a banner year or, or a couple of good years. I mean, you know, it can be a life changing number. And I can't thank all the, you know, all the different, um, you know, events that go on now. You know, let's talk about the American, the run for a million, the, you know, I mean, the, the list goes on and on. And, and, and from what I hear, it's only going to grow and get that much better. Yeah, um, you know, you the the NRCHA and the Cutting Horse Association and the Reining Horse Association all partnered with the American last year in a special showcase. That mm-hmm. kind of opportunity to show off these great horses. Your your October twenty first, the final night of the Snaffle Bit, uh, is going to be a sold out raucous crowd in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, you can't pay for that kind of publicity and that kind of promotion. That kind <laughs> of opportunity to show off your sport. Um, that that that's. That that's part of the reason for the growth, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, whether whether it's the world's greatest finals or the Snafflebit finals, um, you know, at one time we 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 only hoped that uh, the Will Rogers Coliseum would, you know, at least the lower bowl would be full. And now, you know, it's uh, you know, it, 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 it's it's people scrambling to get tickets. And I'm not talking about you know the day before when they get there. I'm talking about weeks before. You know, I mean, everyone wants to be part of it. Everyone wants to be, you know, part of something that's fun. It's exciting. You know, we've got it set up now to where it's a show. You know, you come and watch the finals and you're going to come watch the show for, you know, two or three hours and the greatest, um, you know, athletes and and horses and, um, you know, all the way around. It's going to be a great, great time. Yeah, I was trying to think about how I wanted to ask that question this morning, and I never did come up with with a smooth way to do it. This is not just a horse show. This is the best I can come up with is this is now an event. Uh, oh, this is now a destination for a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. There's going to be a lot of people that, uh, you know, be first timers here and, and, and hopefully things go good for them and they come back. Um, you know, the camaraderie there, you know, we're all competing against each other, but we're also cheering for each other. And we all respect when a great run is put together and, and the horsemanship that goes along with it. Um, you know, it's not a timed event. It's 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 all about you know showmanship and you working with your horse, and then you're going to throw a cow in there or a herd of cattle in there, and all the different possibilities and scenarios that can come up along the way. I mean, you know, there's you know we we could talk the rest of the time about that, but I tell you what, it uh, you know when when people know all the things that go into it, and when it does come together, you know, you want to cheer for that person or that horse or you know whatever the case may be. I want to, I want to make sure we shine a lot of spotlight on uh, the snaffle bit and 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 I'm going to ask you two questions that kind of get to you more than the uh, snaffle bit and then we'll get back to to what's about to happen in Fort Worth. I want to go through a little Corey Cushing history, if I may. 1999, you were a 19 year old assistant trainer, won the NRCHA Futurity Immediate Intermediate Open Championship. Uh, was that kind of the I don't know, the launching point? You had been showing rain cow horses even before that, I know, but um, how big a deal was that for you? Well, to be honest with you, Steve, so, you know, when I first started riding years ago, I grew up in the 4-H stuff and uh, rode, got to ride a lot with, uh, you know, my heroes. Um, you know, I grew up riding with Noel Skinner a lot and and uh, back up there in Utah, you know, I mean, you, you heard about the rain cow horse, but it's, of course, not what it is today. And and you know definitely growing but um 
um, you know, I just started off doing the reigning only, you know, hmm. just in the NRHA uh, at the Derby. And uh, that horse's name was Don't Mess With My Chick. And, and um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd been successful in the reigning. And then just as time went on, you know, switched over to the cow horse, got to spend a lot of great quality time with, uh, you know, working for Teddy Robinson, riding with uh, Benny Gatrone, Bob Avila, Don Murphy. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. And and, um, you know, it, 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 it takes, you know, as we all know, it takes a village to get to where a person's at today. But, uh, you know, for the love of the horse and, and what these uh, things can do for you, I'm blessed to be here today. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Noel Skinner. Uh, he was a big part of your starting out in your career. Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. I don't know if I'd be where I am today without uh, without the knowledge and the, the expertise that he had. Um, he. Uh, he, I mean, he he started it all for me. I mean, I, my parents used to uh, manage and lease uh, Draper Arena, and uh, I'd go down there every day after school. And I mean, anytime I didn't have school, I wanted to be at the barn. Um, you know, we had a small barn in the backyard, but not a training facility and arena. And and I wanted to be part of it. I wanted to see what I could get out of these horses. And like I said earlier, you know, at that time it was raining, so you know it was the sliding stops and the fast spins and. And, uh, um, you know, it, it just carried me into, uh, you know, when I got to go and work for Teddy Robinson. And, of course, uh, <coughs> excuse me, John Slack and Todd Bergen back in the day. And that's when they were first getting into the Rain Cow Horse, you know, back in 97, 98. You know, those were the Chick Please days, Reggae, Coyote. Um, you know, uh, it's, uh, you know, it just everything just kind of transferred over to the Cow Horse over time. I still have a huge respect for the Raining and, uh, and you know, admire what those guys or getting done with their horses, but, um, you know, getting to do work on three different events, sometimes four, if you're getting ready for the world's greatest, um, you know, it's just amazing what these, what these horses, uh, you know, can offer for you and, and how it can make you feel at the end of the day when you do, you know, put it together, whether it's your best day or not, you know, yeah. just in training is a great day, you know? Yeah. Um, when you start your horses, how young do you start them? So, um, I usually start all of my, uh, horses at the beginning of their two year old year. So let's just say Jen, they, they all have a birthday January 1st. Okay. Right. And, yeah. um, and so, uh, you know, we start them the beginning of their two year old year. A lot of horses I might get later on in life, you know, with all the sales that they've got these days and, you know, um, with all the great hands out there, you know, it just kind of depends on the moment, the time and, you know, what a person's uh, after, you know, not everyone can be a breeder, but there's opportunities out there to still own great horses. And whether you only own them for the fraternity or you keep a hold of them and clear and tell their, you know, bridal horses and showing them at the world's greatest one day. Everybody has their own program. Everybody has their own way of doing things. You obviously have a lot of horses you work with. So tell me what life is going to be like for you uh from whatever move-in day is next week until the 21st of october when the snaffle bit is over um you've got 12 or 13 horses something like you like that you're going to take mm -hmm. with you you live in weatherford which is close to fort worth but that's still an hour drive in a bunch of sometimes really gnarly traffic each each way to get yeah. back and forth so what's life going to be like for you how many people you mentioned it takes a village how many people are going to be there helping you um I, 12 or 13 horses at a show like that's a big deal. Well, you know, a lot of people look at that number like, okay, so you've got 12 or 13 horses there that you're in charge of. Well, it's just not having them there and keeping them alive. You know, it's the preparation. You know, the, when you step into the show pen, you know, I mean, you've got to, you know, the first time you ask these horses to do something, it's got to be the best they can do at that time. And so, 
you know, yeah, we're going to have those to get back to your question. I'm going to have uh, three full-time guys there. Um, you know, they usually spend more time bringing me horses, making sure um, they're warmed up. If it's for the herd work, you know, there's, there's preparation, you know, and there's, there's getting game plans together every single day. Every day something's going to be different. Uh, I'm going to move my RV in down there and the guys are staying right across the street at the hotel and, they're probably going to end up spending more time there at the arena and the barn than they will there in their hotel room. That's more than, you know, that's probably just going to be a place for them to lay their head for a few hours each night and get a shower here and there, you know? So, um, you know, every day is going to be different, you know, as, as you know, we are been talking, you know, we're going to start off with the rain work and then the herd work and then finish up with the fence work. And, um, you know, a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different ways of getting your horses ready. You know, everyone's got their own program. You know, I mean, we've all had these horses, I'm going to say, for at least a year now. And, and um, you know, moving up, you know, and, and, you know, each one is different in how you prepare. Some got a little bit more energy and you don't want to take that away from them. However, they need to be in the right frame of mind. Other ones, you know, they're, they're tired. They've been working hard getting here and they're ready and and physically ready but you know does that mean you you work that horse as hard as you work your your next one you know well how are they thinking that day there's just so many different things that go into it and and uh you know when it when 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 it does come together win lose or draw you know you know when you walk out of that pen that uh you know you you gave it the best you had on for that day how um how has your 2023 been um, other big shows that these horses have been to, I guess where I'm going with this is, are there one or two in your program that you're looking at going, thinking, okay, I've really got a good chance on this one to have some success? Or I guess well, if you didn't I'll, think you'd have some success, you wouldn't take any of them. But um, Well, that's just it. That's just it. I didn't enter all of them just to be an entry and, and the time spent on them and, you know, the customers, the money that they put into them. I look at these horses as, as they're half mine. You know, the owners might have paid for them, but they've been my horses for the past, you know, two years or year. And, and um, you know, I, I know how I need to go about them. And, and like I said, I mean, it's it, you just you, you don't know how it's going to play out. All you can do is just hope and prepare the best you can. Yeah. Uh, Corey, my, I think a lot of people know, you know, my family's really involved, involved in barrel racing horses. And especially yeah. as the futurity season, you know, rolls around and continues, we're all looking at each other's horses going, yeah, that one's red hot. That one's, who, who are you yeah. watching? Who are you keeping an eye on as we get ready for the staff <laughs> a bit? Oh, you know, you did. I mean, you take you take anyone's name from that top 30 list and you're, you're going to pay attention to any one of those guys or gals that are that are entered but you know don't forget about the sleeper you know let's think back to a year ago and lee deacon you know has been you know part of the rain cow horse for as long as i've known him and him and his wife ashley has done an incredible job but struggling at the time maybe not had the horse flesh and next thing you know he uh you know he has a, a great beginning or a great start to the uh snaffle bit by doing really well in the hackamore classic and turns around makes the finals on uh, tornado jones and comes back and whips it on us you know they're in the finals and then you know we uh you know carrying on to this uh next year you know 2023 you know we uh, you know we had the world's greatest that, that started off the year and then we went we all got the, the opportunity to go to the american and that was something truly incredible and I mean, the year kind of starts over, you know, as far as, uh, you know, getting ready for the derbies, the bridle spectaculars, you know, the super specs that we have out there. And, you know, I mean, you just, you just, you just, you just keep climbing, you just keep going, you know, and, you know, some years are better than others, but uh, you do the best you can just to do what you can. 
are the are the bloodlines that are really successful today are a lot of those do they trace back to bloodlines that were really successful when you were uh winning your first million at the age of 32 or maybe even when you were having a breakthrough moment at the age of 19. um i know in in other disciplines it seems like there are bloodlines that just continue to be successful over and over again how about the ring cowboys business oh 100 percent you're gonna see uh you know you're gonna you're you're gonna see multiple bloodlines that um, cross over from the cutting to the cow horse and you know but every now and then you'll get this sleeper you know I mean you'll get out of Texas by trailer and and um, you know it may come in and and uh, whether it wins or not you know you can walk away and have respect for the horse that that is a nice horse and the guy's done the best job he can getting it trained and um, yes it does play a huge huge part in it and and. I'll just say a thank you to all the breeder sponsors out there because without them and, um, you know, them being a part of the NRCHA, I yeah. mean, you know, who knows if we'd be at the at where we are today without them. Um, let me ask you a couple of final questions, Corey. One is, again, this, this might be another one of Steve's dumb questions of the interviews, but it is, <laughs> as you and I are talking this last week of September, it is 97 degrees still in Texas. I don't know what it's yeah, going to be sir. like you know, next week, and, and certainly it will cool off at least a couple of degrees by October 21st, but um, how much, or does that at all impact what you are doing, impact the environment in the barns, um, things like that? Sure it is. We've been fighting it now for the last three, three and a half months, um, not just myself, but, you know, uh, everyone else that's in, involved and in, even just in the equine industry, you know, I mean, you know, these horses, you know, we, we, you know, there's every day is time spent on that horse's back or as much as you can. And, and, you know, these, you know, I'm different than us, you know, we got a chance to get into the AC and get refreshed and, and, you know, get comfortable. You know, a lot of these horses, depending on the environment that they live in, just, um, you know, they, you know, they, they've been hot for three months, you know, yeah. and so you've really got to pay attention to that. You know, it wasn't too long ago we'd show up to Reno in September and it might be a hundred degrees in Reno, Nevada at the beginning of it. And, uh, I can personally remember it snowing on finals day, you know, two weeks, two weeks later, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, you got to think like that. Okay. So the weather's changed. That's great. We get it. But, but now all of a sudden, you know, it's cold and you know, you don't want these guys to get sick and you know, you got to keep blankets on them. And so, you know, well, here's some more stuff to put in the trailer. Here's some more stuff to unload. And, I mean, you know, a person's got to be truly dedicated like that in order to, you know, I, I, I believe anyway, to, to get, you know, what, what you, what, that, that, there's nothing more great than, than getting down to the end of it. And you walk in there and you were able to put together a great fence work and, you know, your, you know, your, your, your horse has still got more to give after they've given you their life, you know? And, and I think a lot of that comes from just, this that little extra time spent that little extra you know whether it be an extra feed supplement whether it be you know the spa treatments that we do the you know the vets that are there taking care of them making sure they're feeling you know 100 percent i mean you know we talk about athletes as far as people but let's not forget that these horses that's underneath us i mean they're they're working a lot harder than we are we're just trying to guide them in the right direction let me ask you one final question. You are a past president of the NRCHA, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, and sir. So you've had a chance to see, and you've shown at this event a lot, you've had a chance to see the transition from um, one city to another to see every, all of the growth, but you've also had a chance to see all the behind the scenes. 
I can't imagine the logistics that go into producing a show like this, getting everybody in the right place, getting all the cattle there, getting I, – I think people would be amazed if they knew how much, how much goes on behind the scenes to make the show look great for all of us that might show up and watch. Uh, but I'm telling you what, it's, it's, I mean, you know, for the people that are there at the very beginning, you know, they, they, they understand it and they've seen it and whatnot, but the people that come in for the finals on Saturday night and the production and everything that went through, I mean, there's a, there's a different, um, there's a different uh, 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 area for anything that goes on, whether it be through, you know, the, the, the announcer, the, you know, the arenas that we're using, the, the, the cattle crew, the, you know, the, the promotional side of it, you know, to make this show great. I mean, it, it's, you know, we, 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 we say it, I think loosely at times it, it takes a village, but yeah. you know, inside that in, inside each area is a village, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, I mean, my hat's off to everyone that's uh, ever been involved and, and uh, to make this thing great and to do what we get to do every single day and, and, and truly love being there because if you didn't truly love it, you wouldn't be there. It's no different than being a horse trainer. I mean, you know, a lot of people look at it, well, you just get to wake up and ride horses every day. Well, yeah, I do, but it's, it's just not, you know, sitting there twiddling my thumbs or typing on a computer, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but, you know, there's a, lot of good, there's a lot of intense manual labor that can wear a person down real quick, and it's just the love for the horse in this industry that keeps a person going. The big events are all at Will Rogers. Are you using? I, I should know this, and I don't. Um, are you using multiple arenas over at that complex? Oh yes, sir. Yes, sir. The uh, the Will Rogers will be used for uh, for the horse show classes. You know, throughout the week, um, it's it's dang near impossible anymore at our premier events that we only use one arena. I mean, it just takes too long. We'd end up being there for a month. You know, on uh, at the majority of our shows, and so. You know, the John Justin's going to be running full time. You know, we start off with the, uh, you know, the fraternity horses and a couple of horse show classes. And then, you know, let's not forget something that we changed this year is that we kind of got like a non-pro weekend. You know, we used to run it to where it was, uh, you know, the, the, the finals were all that last, you know, weekend. You know, this week would be like the 19th through the 20th, the sales, the rope horse fraternity, all that's going on. But actually the weekend, the weekend before, which is on, um, Oh, let me look here real quick. The week, the, the middle uh, weekend, like the 13th, 14th, in there. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah, right in there. They got the, uh, they got the, uh, you know, we got our non-pro finals weekend. You know, we really wanted to, you know, shed some light and and uh, you know, people can come watch two finals in in, in two weekends back to back. And so, you know, the the the, the non-pro finals is going to be incredible. And and I think uh, you know to where you know whether you're a spectator or you know, a person that's been there for the very beginning. I mean, it's just another opportunity to watch something great where in the past it's been, well, you know, I would have enjoyed watching the non-pro finals, but I was busy showing my horse in a different arena or getting ready for something else. And so, you know, that, that that's one thing that we've changed up this year is that, you know, we're going to have a finals weekend just for the non-pros. And so that should be really exciting. NRCHA.com, there's a live stream. Uh, there are some of the greatest horse trainers in the world and some of the most beautiful horses you will ever lay eyes on. Headed to Fort Worth, Texas. It all starts on October 6th. Uh, Corey Cushing, I asked you for 20 minutes. I kept you for longer than that. It's always such a pleasure to visit with you, Corey. Uh, good luck, and uh, and thank you for your time. And and, and uh, So you're over $3 million. How long is it going to take to get to four? <laughs> I hope sooner than later, but uh, we'll just we'll, we'll we'll just take it one horse at a time. But uh, thank you, Steve, for your time. I enjoyed it. You guys take care. 
Thank you, Corey. I appreciate it. Corey Cushing joining us on the Seed Canyon Podcast. Thanks to Corey Cushing for his time. There's a live stream of the Snaffle Bit Futurity on the National Rain Cow Horse Association's website, nrcha.com. We are coming back, and we'll take you back to Sioux Falls. Get ready for the Governor's Cup Rodeo. Talk to bareback rider Jacob Lees and preview some of the other potential bubble busters are going to be in Sioux Falls this weekend. That's coming up on the Steve Kenyon Podcast, brought to you by the Justin Boot Company, the standard of the West since 1879, and by Unbeatable Feeds, online at unbeatablefeeds.com. Unbeatable Feeds is an American-made product supplied by American farmers who grow sugar beets throughout the upper Midwest. We're firm believers that performing at your best starts with top-notch nutrition and a feed company you can trust. Unbeatable Feeds, endorsed by PRCA World Champions like Caleb Driggers and Haven Medjit. Unbeatable Feeds offers a valuable feed resource for all types of horses. Get all the details, learn about our products, and find a dealer near you at unbeatablefeeds.com. Hi, everybody. This is Steve Kenyon. Thanks for all of your support of our 8 Seconds Media radio shows, the new Steve Kenyon podcast, and our social media sites. Now you can wear 8 Seconds Media wherever you go. Just visit the 8 Seconds Media store, ball caps in some fun colors, T-shirts in all sizes for men and women, and with fall coming, we've got some warm hoodies waiting for you. Just click on the shop link at 8secondsmedia.com. The Governor's Cup in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's this weekend. The rodeo runs through Saturday night. There's $1.1 million on the line. Uh, Somebody could win $45,000 if they swept everything they could win at the Governor's Cup. The first go-round pays $10,000. That's Thursday. Second round pays $10,000. That's Friday. If you win the championship round on Saturday, it goes to an eight and then a four on Saturday. That's $25,000 more. That's where you get that number of $45,000 on the line. There are some interesting races to get into the top 15 in the world standings. Tristan Martin, steer wrestler from Louisiana, 24th in the world, but he's $22,000 out of the number 15 spot. On the heading side in the team roping, Brenton Hall and Clint Summers are number 18 and 19 in the world standings. They are both competing in Sioux Falls. So is the number 23-ranked healer, Ross Ashford, who's only $11,000 out. Tie-down roping, Lucas Potter, number 16 in the world, $9,000 behind Tuff Cooper. Tuff's won about $10,000 at five different rodeos all over the country in the last week, but he is not competing in Sioux Falls. Lucas Potter is. Bull riding, Trey Benton the third, number 17 in the world, is about $20,000 out. Kelly Allen, number 17 in the world, is about $14,000 behind number 15, Paige Jones from Oklahoma. They're both competing in Sioux Falls. The the field is pretty well set for the national finals of breakaway roping. Uh, Number 27, Maddie Dearman, you might remember she won the rodeo in Puyallup, is $39,600 for the year. That puts her about $27,000 behind number 15, Aaron Johnson. It's a long shot, but there is $45,000 available and on the line in Sioux Falls. The bareback riding, Jacob Lees from Idaho is trying to get to his first Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. He's 27 years old. He's 17th in the world standings. He's won $99,002 as of uh, the final day going into the Governor's Cup Rodeo this year. And that puts him about $7,000 out of the top 15. Jacob Lees gave me a few minutes of his time to talk about competing in Sioux Falls. Man, it's this is going to be a big rodeo, kind of like you said, nothing that like 
that I've ever been to that a lot of guys have really ever been to. You know, it's a ton of money added, and there's only 11 other guys. You know, most of the time when you've got these big money added rodeos, there's uh, you're going against a lot of other guys. So it's uh, really a com- little confined event and really gives a guy a shot to do good and, and uh, get some money one, you know, especially at the end of the year right here. Whether you're in the top 15 of the world on Sunday or not, this has been by far, I think I can say very safely, the best beer of, year of your young rodeo career. Is that a fair statement? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, I always kind of thought I was rodeoing before, but, you know, this time, this year and a little bit last year before I got hurt, but this year mainly I really took it serious and really dove in after it, and this has definitely been the best year that I've had for sure. At least 10 wins, and it looks to me like you've been going a little bit. Uh, you went to St. George, Utah, you went to Omaha, and you had a big lick in San Bernardino, California. Uh, you made an 85-point ride to win the rodeo there. That paid over $5,100. Tell me about that horse and tell me about that ride. Yeah, that was uh, a young horse that uh, Tim's bringing up. Um, it's been in the bronc riding the last few times, but I think Tim just kind of figured it, the bronc riding wasn't his place, and they moved over to the bareback ride, and I was the first bareback rider to get on him in. He really stood out. You know, he was really good, and I'd definitely get on him again, for sure. Yeah, as a Bridwell horse called Uncle Stinky. I've seen that horse bucking the uh, bronc riding, but, it, uh, yeah, maybe you maybe you just convinced him he needs to be a bareback horse. Yeah, definitely. Hope so. Uh, so, 99,000, you told me before we started, I actually feel kind of guilty because my first question before we started this interview was, so let's talk about numbers and money. And you said you really haven't been trying to keep keep an eye on that. I guess that's for annoying people like me to watch, huh? <laughs> well, not annoying, but yeah, I, uh, I try not to keep an eye on it because, you know, you start, start looking at it and you start thinking, man, I got to win this much here and this much here. And, you know, at this point, it's better to just ride the best I can and whatever happens is going to happen. Yeah. What... What you can win in Omaha more than makes up for the little bit that you're not in the top 15. Um, tw- 45,000 possible if somebody could 40% them. That, or, did I say Omaha? In Sioux Falls. Um, that is the, uh, that is, that is, that's huge um, to, w- to have a chance to win that much money at one rodeo over the next three days. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a crazy amount of money. You can, you know, that can take a guy up from, you know, my, my position to, you know, in the top, top 10, top five easily. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about your first horse. You've got stock for your first one, not for your second one. Tell me about your first horse. Yeah, the first horse I have is one of uh, Bailey's. His name's Adam Pet. Uh, my traveling partner, Jayco, had him at the beginning of the year at the Bucking Ball up in Gillette. And uh, I saw him there in person, and and I saw him again going Houston, and he's just a solid, good horse. You know, I think he's I think he's one that'll kind of stand out in this pen um, compared to the other horses. And I think it, it'll give me a definitely a good shot to do well. Jacob Lee's is one of seven siblings. He is 27 years old. Um, tell me, kind of give me the short version of the Jacob Lee's story. What got you to this point where you're knocking on the door, of maybe going on to the Wrangler National Finals rodeo? Yeah, I uh, I kind of we grew up ranching and everything. No one else in my family rodeos, um, but grew up ranching in, in an old feed pickup. We had we had an old crystal dew tape, and that's kind of cliche for a bareback rider, you know, be uh, um, get drug into it by crystal dew. But started there, and you know, got on bulls in high school, high school on, and just went on from there. Really, you know, nothing nothing too spectacular, but bareback riding's always kind of kind of called me, you know, the fight of it, everything like that. You're best- seven siblings, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up kind of fighting. You know? yeah. <laughs> uh, your best year in your career was two years ago. You finished thirty third and won twenty seven thousand. 
You've won night. You could easily go over 100,000 this weekend. Um, that's why I say it's it's an easy call that this is the best year of your career. Biggest rodeo win this year was it Basin City on the Fourth of July? That that fast growing rodeo where you they they put up like fifteen thousand added an event. What 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 were a couple of the rodeos you really look back on and think? Yeah, these were these were great wins for me. Man, uh, there in Basin City, like you said, Calgary was a huge blessing. You know, I, I made it almost. I made it just out of the four man, and so. Uh, you know, I made a lot of good money there. Basin City, I made good money over the fourth. Um, just uh, a lot of, you know, I made money pretty much everywhere I went over the fourth. So that's yeah. just a blessing in, in, its, uh, in itself just to make money everywhere you went. Yep. Well, I'm not going to tell you how much you need to win because you're not paying attention to it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, go get them. I, I think it would be absolutely awesome. There have been so many good young contestants this year. Some of these guys in the rookie race are a little bit younger than you, Jacob. But there is a whole new crop of bareback riders, I think, that is that is starting to uh, to really assert itself. And I put you in that category. You're one of those guys that uh, you got a chance to not just be at your first NFR, but have an impact. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not as young as a lot of them, but you know, I feel just as young as them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, Jacob Lee, I appreciate your time. Uh, go get them this weekend. Good luck on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in Sioux Falls. You bet. Thanks, Steve. Bareback rider Jacob Lees from Idaho joining us on the Steve Kenyon podcast. I always like to wrap the show up with what I think of as Steve's top three, sometimes the top stories of the day, sometimes stories that just caught my eye and I wanted to make sure I shared with you. For example, this is a very busy time in the world of Western sports. The American Quarter Horse Association, the Quarter Horse Congress is underway in Iowa. Next week, beginning on Monday, the Pink Buckle Barrel Race heads into Oklahoma City. October 2nd through the 8th, there's over $4 million on the line. I talked about the Snaffle Bit Futurity, uh, the National Rain Cow Horse Association has announced that that's going to pay out $2.2 million this year. That is a record. Congratulations to my friends and fellow rodeo announcers, Will Rasmussen and Anthony Lucia. The PRCA has announced that they will be the in-house announcers for the Wrangler National Finals of Breakaway Roping. That'll take place at the South Point Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas on December 5th and the 6th. Jill, Franz, and Loden, the three-time music director of the year, will be behind the sound and the music at the National Finals of Breakaway Roping. And the number one story, it's got to be what's about to happen in Sioux Falls. The Governor's Cup Rodeo, the championship of the PRCA's playoff series, gets underway Thursday, runs through Saturday, more than a million dollars on the line. Thanks for joining us for the Steve Kenyon Podcast. God bless everybody. I'm Steve Kenyon.